Hey, welcome to God's Glory and Men's Real Story. So glad you could join me on another episode of Men's Conversations and Stories. So whether this be your first time joining us or whether you've been listening since the beginning, I want to welcome you all. Um, I hope that you can get comfortable, whether you're out walking the dog right now, whether you're riding around your car, whether you're just sitting back relaxing on the couch. I hope that you can prepare yourself for the blessing that's going you're going to experience in this episode, um, um, the blessing of vulnerability, which is such a blessing coming from a lot of the men I sit down with. Um, I hope that you can imagine yourself sitting with this community of, of, of like-minded folk who care about you and hopefully they, they want you to not only feel God's love, but more importantly, and, and, and I feel this is so important. We hope that you can see God's glory in men's real stories. So today on this episode, I have a special guest as always. Um, this guest, you know, I, I have a story that comes behind how I met this 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 guy. Uh, and I felt like God was totally setting it up to where he made sure I met this gentleman because not only was I introduced to him once, I was introduced to him twice. I uh, ran into somebody um, in the filming of an episode and they were like, there's a, there's a guy you gotta meet. Matter of fact, I was just with him and he was talking to some young men at Auburn university. And, um, so he connected the dots for me. And then I was at another uh, event where I was serving with somebody. And as we were talking, they were like, you know, you've got to meet this guy. He's in the same space as you, you know, with talking to men, you know, the importance of mental health and different things like that. And I was like, okay, so what's his name? And as she was saying, and I'm like, it wouldn't by chance be this. And she was like, yeah, that's him. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is really ironic that I have been introduced or, or I have been tried to be connected twice now with the same guy, even though I've already met with him, we've had lunch, but, um, he has truly been a blessing to so many people. Um, so let me just jump right in and introduce him. Uh, he is the podcast host of The Rabbit Hole. Um, he's a brother who's out doing a lot of great things, uh, uh, setting up a lot of great stories for with, with men and women um, on how they are pioneering and moving through life, working through a lot of their own struggles and different things. I'd like to welcome my good friend, Charles Height III, to the table to the the episode thanks so much for joining Thank today you. man yes sir glad yes sir to be here yeah glad to be here yeah it's yeah. normally me interviewing and having guests on so it's different and i enjoy this right right so what's it like being on the other side of the table now where you kind of it's, <laughs> it's, it's less nerve-wracking okay 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 <laughs> but i enjoy it it's now, now, like now you get to just sit back and kind of talk. You don't have to remember any questions. You, oh, did I did I skip that line, right? Yeah. No, that's awesome. It's different. I like it. I enjoy this side. Okay, well, cool. We'll start off by telling the people a little bit about yourself, like where you're from. Just give yeah. them a little blip about yourself. Um, so, Charles Height. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, was uh, born at Presbyterian Hospital. So, if you're from Charlotte, most people were born at Presbyterian Hospital. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Presby. And, yep. Presby. <laughs> Presby, baby. Yeah. Uh, born in 91. Uh, missed April Fool's by 37 minutes. Okay. Um, so, that's a little fun fact. Uh, nice. But... Uh, Public school up until sixth grade, and then went to Covenant Day School in Matthews, seventh um, through twelfth. Gardner Webb for one year, and switched and went to Appalachian State. Graduated from there, and um, 2012 is kind of where my life kind of changed, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, born into a Christian family, so was raised, became a Christian at age five. 
two loving parents, amazing sisters, two and a half years younger than me. Um, but I had to go and figure out life by, you know, for myself. Um, mm. I thought, you know, you go to college after college, you get the job, you get married and life's perfect. Well, I learned the hard way. It's not that way. Right, right, um, right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thankful for that because yeah. it's made me who I am today. I've had a lot of growth. Uh, I wouldn't be sitting here 10 years ago. Uh, I would have maybe, you know, said I'll be here and then canceled last minute because something better came up or something. Mm. Um, I was very flaky. Um, and uh, I was living for fun and, you know, chasing that next high whatever that high may be, drugs, girls, you name it. Wow. Um, and so that's part of my story, which we'll talk about. And um, started the Rabbit Hole show uh, October 12th of 2021, so a little over a year ago. Um, okay. And uh, the wake-up call that I needed, you know, I'd had several along the way, but the wake-up call I really needed happened April 24th of last year. Okay. Um, so a little over a year and a half ago. Well, we'll do this. Tell them. Tell- Uh, Tell us a little bit about The Rabbit Hole Show, what it's all about, and, you know, uh, what what made you start that? So, The Rabbit Hole Show, um, like you said, it's for men and women, and we even had a, you know, high school student that, or just graduated high school, Mm -hmm. came on and shared his story. Uh, Everyone has a story, you know. Some stories aren't as powerful or as big as my story is, and I hope your story's not like mine, Um, but I had to walk through the story that um, God, you know, took me on and allowed me I created for myself to figure out how precious life is but everyone has a story we all have struggles and the good news is you're not alone in that struggle everyone's got something they're dealing with but for me I thought I was the only one going through that stuff and so I suppressed and just pushed everything down and it only made it worse to where you know things that were traumatic it only just kept getting worse you know people ask um or look at me and say, you know, why did you do that? And for me, it was, I always compared myself to the people I grew up with. I'm not going to be successful like they are. I'm not going to have that job because I struggled in school and academics weren't easy for me. Mm. And then when I was in the rehab rooms, the treatment centers, all that, well, my story's not bad enough. So I was shooting myself in the foot Mm. until my story got bad enough. Oh, wow. And that was the wake-up call I needed, and I thank God for that every day. Um, Because without that, I don't know where I would be. I would either be dead, in prison, or on the streets, which are three places that, you know, I should be. Right. But God's got a plan for me and purpose still. No, definitely, definitely, definitely. And, and, And more importantly, he's already kind of put you in in place of part of uh, in his uh, as far as your plan or his purpose for you he's already kind of started to navigate that even with your show and and for those that don't know you know you can definitely hear a lot of uh charles's story um his ongoing story on his podcast as he continues to to talk to guests as he continues to unfold different things of his story um and i'm even going to have him tell a little bit about his story today but but more importantly i want to kind of jump into other parts of his story because a lot of people have have either met you you've spoken to a lot of people especially in the charlotte community and other uh communities as you've grown your own community but i think that 
a lot of people would not only glean a lot from your story or what you've been through, but also where you're at now, because a lot of people sometimes think, wow, he made it through this, that, you know, that, that's a powerful story. And he wrote off into the sunset and it's like, ah, uh, well, you know, my story's still going and it's not quite done yet. And it's not as pretty as people would think, because a lot of times people don't want to tell their story till it is pretty. People don't want to put the pictures up until it is pretty. You know, I don't want to tell you what I went through before this. I don't want to show you what I went through before this. I just kind of want you to see the end results. Surprise. Look at me now. And it's like, yeah, but like, is it going to be that simple for me? Will I just go from here to there? And I never saw the middle. I never saw what happened in between. So that's always important. Some people need to understand the struggles that we go through to get to where they may see us now. So um, I'm gonna, I want to kick it back over to you to kind of let you tell a little bit of your story and, and where or what, more importantly, who Charles is and what Charles has experienced that got him to this point of sitting here with this table with me today. Um. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me. It's an honor yeah. um, to come on your show and sit on this side of a podcast, but uh, have a lot of respect for you and your vulnerability and all the guests that you've had on your show. It's just an honor to sit on this side and uh, be a part of your podcast. Yeah, so thank no. you. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm honored. Yes, sir. Um, so briefly, my story, um, and like uh, Robert said, uh, and go check out the Rabbit Hole show if you want to hear more of my story in depth. Um Episode 23 is a good one to check out. Um, it's where I have my parents on, and they share their journey within my journey. And then episode 50 is another good one to check out to hear a little more in depth. But last year, as I mentioned, my wake-up call. Um, so February of last year, I um, had an incident and uh, should have gotten arrested uh, and got hit by a car during that incident and got COVID a week later and was very depressed. I'd been hanging out with some community that wasn't the best, and um, it showed. And so I uh, got very depressed again and reached out to a treatment center that I'd been in Charlotte prior, Hopeway, off Sharon Road West, and they said, no, we're not going to have you back. And looking back now, I understand why. Right. <laughs> um, and they recommended me to a place in Tennessee, the ranch. Went there, completed it. Um, and learned about acceptance and my past. I can't undo my past. I can only enjoy and be here in the moment and I can prepare for the future, but I can't dwell on the past. I can reflect and grow from it. And the Lord had me, you know, learn another lesson one hour after I got out of rehab, I got arrested on some felony charges and was facing prison time and sat in jail uh, for a few weeks and was able to get a plea deal. And I was like, okay, that's what I needed. That was my wake up call. You know, now mm -hmm. I'm going to start living how I'm supposed to. Right. 25 days later, um, I went on my last bender and my drug of choice was cocaine started with Adderall and then cocaine and even got into some meth. Um, and yeah, that was the last thing I remember. I remember the sun coming up, and next thing I remember, I wake waking up a few days later with a ventilator, and my dad on my left saying, "You died from an overdose." Mm. And I just remember looking at that clock, saying, "Wow." Two things I just I said would never happen to me was prison, and I was facing prison time. And there's a part of the story that I haven't really talked about, 
because um, there's someone else involved. But he did decide not to press charges, and if he had, I would I would be in prison right now for ten years at least, maybe longer. I don't know, but his grace and mercy was a blessing, and that allowed me to be like God's grace and mercy on my life. Just a small glimpse of man showing me grace, and just how much grace God has shown me mm. when He doesn't have to show me anything, because all I deserve is death. Mm. And I remember waking up off life support, family in the room, and just like, wow. If I want to be here and I want to have that wife, the kids, have a successful life. And to me, success isn't necessarily money. It's just my reputation, what I'm giving back in the community. I'm not going to have that if I don't make a change. Two things I said weren't going to happen happened within a month and a half of each other. So that was the wake-up call I needed. And here's a picture of it. Um, if you can see that. That's me on life support with my mom um, looking over me. But um, that's something I'll never forget and something that I keep on my phone so I can look at that and remember how bad I had it, you know, mm. how close I was to death. Right. I They coded me and woke up. So to me... I'm not done. God's not done with me. I have purpose. Right. To go back, though, I said I struggled in school, always compared myself to others, looked at myself as a failure. So I was always had that uh, negative self-talk about myself. 2012, had a, a close family friend um, die that shocked the community. Um, and that was a struggle, and I didn't know how to deal with that. And I turned to drugs and alcohol and partying, something that I had done in college, being in a fraternity, but it was social. This turned to, all right, we're going to do it social, and then I would become an angry person and take it out on everyone because I never talked about my feelings. I didn't know how to. Right. So I literally just pushed everything down, and things in my life just kept happening, and I just never talked about it. I wanted girls to love me, and I wanted guys to fear me. And that's how I lived. I wasn't going to let anyone push me around. So if you looked at me the wrong way, if I was at a bar or out, I wasn't, I wasn't going to take that. I was just going to swing on you. Right. Wow. And that's not a way to live. You know, so I've eight rehabs, uh, five psych wards, been arrested four times, and suicide was always on my mind. Mm. So it's a blessing that I'm still here. And that, to me, God's not done with me, and I still have a lot of purpose left. Right. So that's a quick little version of my story. You know, as I always tell everybody, you know, I really appreciate your vulnerability because a lot of people feel like it is, it's already hard to admit or open up to, to people about what they're going through. And sometimes that's a fear of a lot of people because there's a lot of shame and guilt that's involved in that. So, we, you know, my, my community, we appreciate your vulnerability and your story of what you've been through or, or even recognizing, because as I say, it, it, it's in recognizing and acknowledging that there is an, an, an issue there. There is um, there is a problem or there is something that needs to be addressed that you can even begin to work on or heal what you've gone through. And, you know, you even admitting how, you know, at one time you um, you had a friend that passed away and how that ended up playing out in your life and that it became more of a thing where like, wow, you know, I don't know how to quite handle this. I don't know. And I'm, I'm just curious, this is a question for you. 
when your friend died, what were there any were there any people that came around to say, hey, look, maybe you should find somebody to talk to about that or maybe like, um, you know, I know a lot of people are like, hey, look, man, um, really sorry about your friend. You know, uh, uh, hope that, you know, you can you can push on and you got this and you're going to man up and move through this and you're going to be strong, man. But was there anybody that ever came or saw the importance of you talking to somebody or you maybe um, talking about how you really felt, how your friend dying, how it affected you in any way or anything like that, even before certain patterns or certain things started to, to pick up? Um, I think it would have been easier if I was in Charlotte, but I was still at Appalachian State when mm, this happened in okay. school. I was in a fraternity. And so, I mean, I had people who were there to right. support and comfort me. But, no, I never really had anyone say, maybe you should go and talk to someone. Because I was away from my family and community mm. in Charlotte. So I was. it was easier to hide gotcha. my um, struggles. But then once I graduated um, a year later, I think it was, um, cause I graduated December of 13 and it happened October of 2012. Um, coming home, I was still living like I was in college and, uh, still dealing with my pain in the same way that I did in college. And that continued up until last year. Okay. Um, so basically a, a lot of it was, we're here for you, but the best coping mechanism we have for you is maybe like hey look bro you want another beer or hey bro you want to you know they didn't have to ask me for another beer i was taking it (laughs) but yes yeah yeah okay okay Um, and it would i would get when i would get to a certain point of you know intoxication or whatever it was i would get emotional so i'd be fun and then the switch would happen and i would either be real emotional upset sad or i would just get real angry and become a violent person which is not who i am Right, but that's right. you know I didn't know how to handle my emotions and the pain that I was going through, and then that pain, because I didn't deal with it in an appropriate way, you know, healthy coping mechanisms, it caused other things to happen in my life that were traumatic and caused legal trouble and just suicide, like I mentioned earlier, was always on my mind because I just didn't know how to deal with anything that happened in my life. Mm. Life was tough for me to deal with. Wow. No, I, I, I can imagine. So I guess let's 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 jump into present day, Charles. You know, uh, uh, there have been so many different things that you have learned, so many different things that you've experienced. And you had a wake up call, as you said, that you, you showed the picture of since then. What has Charles done to really pour back into himself to allow you to to not only get you know the help that a lot of us need to to be able to 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 pour into us in so many different areas of self self love and it's funny I had to I had to Google that a while back ago because as a man you know you think when you I'm think laughing of too because I'm the same way not because of you because you had to do it I I, I didn't know what self love was right 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 <laughs> it, it's it's almost like as a man we we think self love and, and and we think to maybe like Google all right, what does self-love look like for a man? Um, is that a thing? Um, and so, you know, a lot of times we don't know how to love ourselves the way we love others. So as as you have continued to, to progress in your present day, what are some of the things that you do now to 
to make sure you're pouring into you the way you may have poured into others? Just being open and honest with my community, the people in my circle. You know, last night, you know, me and you were on the phone prior to talking about, you know, tonight's episode. And then I had some stuff happen recently that I opened up and shared with you, whereas the old me would have just hidden that and been embarrassed and ashamed. And I'm not going to tell anybody this. Right. But once I bring that to the surface, Satan's got no hold on me. Mm. And that's something that I've learned, you know, whereas before I called my mom when I was in trouble, when I was getting arrested or I'd just gotten out of the hospital or what you name it, whatever it was. But now I'm calling her when I'm starting to have these thoughts or things are I'm starting to feel anxiety or whatever. And I'm not going in my room and turning the TV on and putting the lights down low and getting under the covers. Mm. I'm going over to my parents' house or hanging out with my sister or reaching out to people that are in my community group at church. So I'm being around like-minded people and I'm getting involved in my community rather than hiding. And the old me, I didn't like going to church because I was ashamed and thought people would judge me. Mm. But then I didn't want to go to treatment centers or be around those types of people because I thought my story wasn't bad enough. Mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, now th- I heard you say that earlier. My story's not bad enough. It's not big enough to actually fit into this category. So either it's I've, I've got to reach their caliber of story like, oh, it's got to be huge. So when I get here, it's like I got an impressive story to tell you guys about like what got me here. Or it's like, well, no, I can't go and hang out with you guys because my story is not quite big enough yet. What was it almost like a fuel to say I have to work on making sure my story is big enough to fit the, the mode of, well, yeah, when you reach this place, when you go here, you got to make sure your story, almost like a person feeling like, okay, if I, if I go to prison, I can't show up and tell them I'm here because I just stole some candy off the store. No, my story's got to be big. You know, I, I kidnapped a person. I held a person at, at, at gun. You know why I took the candy off the shelf and took some money out the register. You know, my story's got to be grandier. So why is it? Why did you feel that way? <sighs> Because it started off with me comparing myself to the people I grew up with and went to school with. I'm not good enough. I'm going to be a failure because I'm not getting the grades that they got. I'm not going to Chapel Hill or the schools they're going to. Mm. I have to work twice as hard to get that C when they're studying 30 minutes and getting that A. Mm. And so when I was in my first treatment center, I was like, well, my story's not like this, this guy. But then, and I never wanted it to get to there, but that was just always in the back of my head. So like I said earlier, I'm shooting myself in the foot. Just to make sure. Which way am I going to go, right or left? I'm comparing myself to both ends of the spectrum. Right, right. No, I see what you're saying. So I wasn't planning on getting it that bad, but it eventually got that bad. Right. And so now I have that story that I was like, huh. Okay, now now, now, now I got a (laughs) good story for you guys. I'm back. And my story has has, has escalated. Correct. And it's, it's going to blow you away now. And it's like, I may not fit into that category if I'm hearing you correctly. I may not be able to fit into that category with the people I grew up with because I'm not them. But if I'm going to be in this community, I'm going to make sure I fit in well with you guys because my story now kind of matches a lot of what mm-hmm. you guys are doing. Because it, sometimes in life, we want to fit in somewhere. We want to be a part of something. And, and it's so, not always the good community you're fitting in with. Right, 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 right. No, no, that's 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 a good point. And you don't want to, you know, you want to compare and be around like-minded people. So if you are comparing yourself, 
you know, they can help you attain those goals or those dreams that you aspire to reach. Mm. You don't want to, for me, I wasn't doing myself any justice by comparing myself and keeping that internal. Right. No one was help, helping me. Right. And that's not to their fault. That's my fault. Well, the, the thing is, is they, they were trying to find help themselves. And a lot of times we can't help the next person if we're still hurt ourselves. Correct. It's hard to, to help you because if I could help you, then I could probably use the same skills to help myself. But I'm here to hopefully get help myself from what I'm fighting. Um, so in, in present day, along with, you know, making sure that you're working on talking about the things that you're dealing with. Uh, um, um, who do you normally, who is your community or how do you go about, you know, I know you said you talk to your family. Who else do you normally find? I know you had told me about other communities or different mm -hmm. other, or, or other, uh, I guess, tools that you use. Um, tell me about some of those. Yeah. Um, so family, as you mentioned, I've mentioned big for me because they're the ones who should have turned their back on me, but they didn't. Without them, I would be on the streets dead or in prison where I should be. Um, and they taught me a lot along the way. But um, the Barn Brothers is a community that I go to on Tuesday nights. Um, one of the guys, uh, he owns AAA Windows, and he was uh, cleaning my parents' windows. and Or I think my mom called the office, and he happened to answer. It's a God thing. He happened to answer the phone. He owns the business. He's always out meeting clients. And she was like, just started sharing my story or kind of the predicament I had gotten myself into. I think I was in jail at this point or might've been a rehab. And he was like, you know what? I'm in a group called the barn brothers. We meet on Tuesday nights. I think your son, you know, could benefit from coming out. Uh, it's a guy, uh, sorry, ladies, men's only, but, um, <laughs> it's, uh, just guys who needing people to do life with, got other guys to do life with. Right. No one's perfect. We all have a story. We all got struggles, and that's what this group is, basically. Right. You're right. not alone. Everyone's got a different struggle, different story. And so we meet on Tuesday nights in a barn. Um, that's okay. why it's called the Barn Brothers. <laughs> okay. And um, just share our life struggles, our life stories, and just help each other do life. And so that's a big no, community. That's important. Correct. And then um, – I'd say since March of this year, when uh, Casey, the guy who helps me do my podcast, and I met him at the Dilworth Center in 2016, which was the first outpatient center I went to, treatment center, met him there, and I only did seven weeks of that program. After seven weeks, I was like, I'm out. Okay. <laughs> um, and my mom, if you ask her, she would say, I could tell you were already checked out before you even told us. But um, so me and him got our place in March of this year. And that's when I started getting back into going to church um, and making that just habitual. I mean, church is outside the four walls of the church building, but right. just getting and going and getting that learning um, every Sunday. And since then, I've joined a community group within the church and we meet on Monday nights. So that's another community and some guys that I've really um, kind of met and grown with and even some girls that are in the group. Um, but there's some good guys that I've really connected with outside of that group. Um, and then there's some guys from my fraternity in college that I'm still very close with who didn't turn their back on me when a lot of people that I grew up with um, know or have met along the way that kind of threw in that white towel and just said, bro, you, you <laughs> the way you're control. living, I just can't associate with you, which I understand and no hard feelings. Right. People come into your life for a season and some are there for 
a long time or your whole life. And I have some really, really good friends who have been there through everything with me. And, you know, they're in my inner circle and they're a big part of my community. And I might not see them every day, every week, every month, but I'm talking to them regularly. Um, And then just the people I meet, just being open about my past and my story. Now, do you feel like you're, uh, and I know you talk to a lot of men and, and, you know, I tell people sometimes our, our story or our vulnerability isn't meant or sharing isn't meant for everybody because some people may not be in a place to even have the space for that, you know, as they're going through their own struggles. Um, how important have you found, you know, I know that, I know that you would, um, it previously told me about how counseling was another piece that you, 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 um, kind of found important and a lot of people are kind of like ah counseling that's where i stop you know i got my own community i just i i I got people i can talk to but sometimes uh, outside of people holding space for you to be able to open up about things sometimes we need someone that kind of can shepherd us in certain directions um and not so much that they're providing advice but they're providing almost like a, a, a safe space to not only be able to unpack, but also kind of like navigate us similar to the way God navigates us as, as a shepherd of us all. And that he can kind of keep us on the right path when he sees us veering off. Sometimes he can let us know, hey, look, I got you. I'll leave the 99 to come and get you because I need to kind of shepherd you back in. I've noticed you kind of gotten off track and sometimes that hurts. That, that, that the way he yanks us back or the way he slams that door as we're about to walk into it or already in it, it hurts the way he may have to pull us back to shepherd us back into the flock. But um, how important have you do you feel as far as speaking about um, therapy as as a as a man going to therapy? How, how, how important have you felt that's played in, in your in your process of moving through things everyone needs to go to therapy okay. i mean i i could just drop the mic and say that's it but because <laughs> <laughs> um, i used to be a person who said therapy what is therapy well i don't need therapy and i think the first time i ever saw a therapist was 2016 and i was dating a girl and she said you need to go see a therapist now what was your response how did you feel like what was your first thing that came to your mind when somebody said hey you should go to therapy or you should see a therapist what was that thing that you would probably respond back with well prior to her my mom had saying maybe you could go talk to someone i said no nah, i'm good i'm fine and we all know what fine means right and if you don't ask somebody because <laughs> fine doesn't mean you're fine <laughs> I- i'm fine is the easy answer to give people when they only have like two minutes for you to give an answer it's like hey in passing hey how you doing john i'm fine oh yeah i'm good i mean because nobody actually not nobody but a lot of people don't have the space or the time to actually get the long answer they want that yeah. short answer and they want you to if you feel like it ask them back but they were just doing it because they didn't want to like walk past you and not say anything so yeah. hey how you doing and it's like, fine and I think it might have even been last night at the barn. Someone said fine stands for F is for frustrated. I is for irritated. N is, I can't remember what he said N was, and E was emotional. So mm. if someone says fine, it's like, okay, now what's going on? Right. You're right. not really fine. And some people, they might be. They're just giving you that answer because they have to feel like they have to answer. But a lot of times you're not fine. Yeah. Um, and that's that was my response. I'm fine. I'm good. When really, I wanted to die. But there's a long answer for everything. And, Correct. And, 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 and th- th- 
a lot of people are a lot of people wouldn't know what to do with your long answer, which is why it is important to find people who can take your long answer and say, you know what? That's cool. I'm glad you could admit that. I'm glad that you could actually say it's more than just fine because fine is a generic answer we give most folk because it fits the bill. And more importantly, maybe my shame won't allow me to tell you what's really going on. Maybe the guilt in the moment of what has transpired won't allow me to really tell you what just happened. So I'm fine is going to cover the bill for you. Mm -hmm. I'm good. Are you really? Yeah, no. Great. Great. Cool. Okay, cool. And I can appreciate any person that says, actually, you know what? I got space today. You want to talk about anything? You know, anything further than just you're fine? Because I, I'm sure you are fine. But what else is going on in your life? So, so what else is going, so, so I, I'll, I'll take that to spin into what else is going on in Charles's life yeah. these days. Um, what, 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 what is, what is Charles experiencing in your current life? Even mm -hmm. after everything that you've been through, even as the, the podcast host of the rabbit hole, what are you currently going through? What are some of the struggles you're yeah. seeing? Um, and to answer the question prior to finish the question before I answer that one, okay. when the girlfriend, so my mom had mentioned before, and I said, I'm fine, I don't need to talk to anyone. Then the girlfriend said, you need to go see a therapist. Because I think I had gotten arrested for the second time maybe mm -hmm. and ended up in Billingsley, um, the psych ward for the first time. And I was codependent in every relationship up until my last relationship. So when she said therapy, or she was going to break up with me. I said, okay, wh which therapist you want me to go to? Mm. You know, that, but that's what I needed because that got me in the door to see someone. Mm. And then he left and went to Nashville and I started, I had to go find other therapists and I felt like I had to prepare more to go to therapy than what I was getting out of it. So therapy is like dating. You got to find the therapist that's going to work for you. And that's oh, not to that's knock. Good. That's not to knock that's the good. therapist. I'm so glad you said that. You're paying the therapist. You're not. You don't. You're not. What's the point of going to therapy if you're not going to get anything out of it? Right. Or you're if you're paying. not going to put anything into it. Like, Correct. Because yeah. don't go to therapy if you're going to just go and sit there and pay 170 to whatever it is an hour. That's a waste of money. Right. Get something out of it. Right. It's just like dating or married. Do you want to marry that girl if it's just eh, it's all right? Right. No. <laughs> right. Right. So right. find the therapist that works for you. And it took me finding a lot of therapists or firing a lot of therapists, as I would say, to find the therapist that I have now, Dr. Robert Dodd, who I've been seeing five years, I believe. And uh, it's level ground Christian therapy, I believe, over near Charlotte Catholic. Um, him and his wife, Cindy, have a practice. Mm. Um, but he worked in the prison systems of Tennessee for 20 years. He's um, ran uh, treatment centers. Uh, he's amazing. And right. he's, he's a gentle giant, but, uh, I don't want to cross him, you know, and right, I've, and right. I've tried to, uh, slip things by him thinking, okay, I got it off my chest. He's not going to remember that. But then when I get done, he goes, well, let's go. Let's tap back into what and you I'm said. Like, I, I wrote it down. You know, I he didn't even, he didn't even write it down. Oh, wow. That's good. He's got it up here. Nice. I'm just like, oh. all right. By the way, I wanted to, I wanted to go back to what you said, firing. You know, I, I I wouldn't say because some people are a lot of people are scared to fire people. OK, you know what I would say? It's like it's like speed dating where it's like, oh, you know what? I appreciate your time. 
I'm going to try a different one. And, and that's okay. There, a lot of therapists are used to that. Matter of fact, they would prefer you find the right person for you. It, they don't take it personal because a lot of people that are seeking therapy, they're experiencing that now. They're like, ah, I don't know. I just don't feel comfortable with this. But person. they keep going. Yeah, and, and, and Just and, don't schedule another appointment. They'll get the hint. It's not like you have to be like, oh, I'm not. Wait a minute, you just say ghost him? <laughs> In a roundabout way, I said ghost him. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, well, they, you, you can take that approach. But the most important part you said is you're paying them. So at any point when you feel like this is not a good fit for you, you should definitely say, you know what? Let me go find somebody, whether it be that I'm more comfortable with, whether it be that, you know, I don't have to explain my story as in depth. Because some people, they they don't click well with therapists because they're there maybe it's it's not a cultural good fit you know I, what i'm talking about i'm having to break down what these certain words mean in my culture you know he's every time he's like he's like you know what let me go and look in the urban dictionary real quick to understand what you're saying you know yeah i, I mean there's sometimes you need somebody that understands you without you having to explain mm -hmm. who who understands where you're where you're coming from can speak your language and say yeah no i get it Mm -hmm. I get it. So no, no, I appreciate you. And that's why Dr. Dodd's amazing. Cause one of my sister's good friends, um, told her about Dr. Dodd and me and her, on you know, dealing with much different issues that he's helped us with. So he can, he's done it. He can do it all. And he's, his wife, and they're both amazing, but yeah, you got to find the right therapist and one that's going to help you. And like you said, not have to look up in the urban dictionary or <laughs> speak your lingo and, you yeah. know, yeah. um, so it's like speed dating because yeah. you want to get something out of it. That's mm -hmm. why you're paying and going to therapy. But everyone, I think, can benefit from therapy. No. Um, but you got to find the right therapist. Right. Um, so to go to what is Charles doing now? What are some struggles that I have? Um, I've been out of work for two months. Um, the old me would have hidden that and said, oh, I'm in between jobs, you know, or I would have had some cover story mm -hmm. of why I don't have a job or I would have been very vague to where you would have thought I had a job. Um, but no, I got laid off, uh, two months ago. And to me, it was just a job. It wasn't a career. And I made that known when I first started, uh, cause 2019, um, or I guess 2018, I had been in psychosis for, I don't know, four to six months just cause of the drugs and staying up two to three days at a time, sleeping four or five hours. And, um, cause I was in a, job that I saw as a career and I just poured everything into that. And that to me, that was an escape. I think we were talking last night, addiction, it doesn't just have to be drugs, mm, alcohol, porn. Right. It can be work, school, basketball, you name it. There can be an addiction, right? Even couponing oh, <laughs> that wow. show on TLC or something, coupon Queens or something, you know, right. So, right. But anything can be an addiction. Um, and so I poured myself into that to ex escape from my problems. And, the drugs got worse because I was using them to stay awake. I was popping Adderall, like breath mints, uh, using cocaine still. And if I was out of drugs, I was drinking pre-workout to stay awake. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so my mind just, I was seeing and hearing things in January of 2019. It got bad to where I was full. My brain was shutting down, panic, paranoia, um, was, you know, if you dropped a pin, it sounded like a gunshot going off my it was just from the lack of sleep and it was bad. So ended up in uh, the psych ward and then went to Hopeway. And that started kind of a year long of bouncing around from rehabs and psych wards kind of in the Southeast. 
um, and got kicked out of all of them. So treatment, if you're listening and you got someone that is a loved one that needs to go to therapy, if they're not ready to go, it's not worth sending them because that person needs to be ready and want to make the change or nothing's going to happen. Okay. And that was an, that was a problem for me. You know, you, you, you hit on something earlier that I've learned that has a huge effect on men, especially men that are in relationships. You said something to the effect of your lady said, if you don't go to therapy, I'm going to leave. Oh, codependency. 100%. That was me to Mm. a T. And until, so I broke up with a girl, amazing girl, broke up with her in March of this year. We still have a cordial friendship, you know, um, great Christian gal. And, if something happens in my life, she's someone that I feel like I could call and reach out to. Um, but that was the first non-codependent relationship. Everything prior to that, it was codependency. I had a void in my life that I needed to be filled, and that was love. I didn't love myself. So to me, a girl could give me that love, give me that affection. Right. Um, so the second she was ready to take that love away, as you would look at it, it's almost like, okay, I'll do whatever it takes. And, 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 and the sad part about it is, as men, I remember writing this one time that sometimes it takes a woman putting us in a place where she's ready to remove herself from our life for us sometimes to make the changes we need to make. And it shouldn't get to, to that point because you're right. It is a codependent attachment there that we're we're struggling to hold on to instead of pouring back into what we really need because the best thing we could probably need is to step away from that relationship because we're pouring so much into that relationship that we're not pouring into us the way we need to be poured into. We're not seeking the help we need. We just want to help this because it's it's in a manner helping us cope with everything that we're dealing with or not dealing mm-hmm. with. And so I thought that was They're a, a good, lifeline. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a good point. Yeah. And uh, you're draining that girl, or if it's a girl that hears this, the guy, you know, you're draining that other individual because they're su- you're suffocating them. And to you, you're not being true to who you are. So you're you're not doing justice to either one of you. Mm. And it took me um, getting dumped a lot of times and just fighting a lot to realize, like, what am I doing? And to start loving myself. Because you can't love nobody if you don't love yourself. Mm, say it again, and you man. can't say help that. anyone right. if you can't help yourself. Right, right, right. That's so good. That, that's that's one that I find myself telling myself and a lot of other people. But it took me learning a hard lesson that you you can't really love anyone unless you love yourself first. You you Matter of fact, you can't give what you don't know how to give yourself. How, how can you give anybody else real love? You, what you're needing from that person, like you said, is you're needing them to, to, to complete you in a manner of speaking. I need you to make me whole because I don't know how to make me whole. Mm-hmm. But if you leave, I'm whatever percentage you leave me at. And I, I'm, I'm now struggling. So I'm looking for the next high, the next fix, the next relationship. Ah, where are you going? I need you in my life. Uh, And so you grasp on to people in order to hold yourself up because you don't know how to actually pour into yourself the Mm -hmm. way you need to be poured into. You're looking for it from someone else. And and, and, and sometimes the best thing that could ever happen to us is unfortunately continue to be dumped 
until we finally just say, all right, that's clearly not working. I mean, they keep leaving me that, you know, maybe it's just not meant for me to be in a relationship. No, it is. It's definitely a relationship you're supposed to be in, just not with another person. The relationship starts with you. You need to be in a relationship with yourself. The love that you're providing that person, everything you're giving that person, you need to give that to you. See how you can you can start to pour back in and get yourself back to 100 on your own because you shouldn't come into relationships at a 50%. 50% is only going to mean that, okay, well, I need your 50%. No, you got to build yourself back up to 100 mm -hmm. so you can meet that person, hopefully meet another person that's at 100 that's that's poured into themselves the same way but no that's that's because in know. a relationship you both need to be a hundred but there might be some days where you're given 70 percent mm. and she's given 30 percent but that's all she can give that day right and then there's some days you might only give 10 percent and she's given 90 percent yeah you know it's yeah. not a one-way street you're both walking that but you're doing it together yeah but you can't do it if you're on 25 percent coming into that relationship or you're on empty right you know and i was codependent and some people i know can find love on dating apps me that was a struggle because i was swiping by physical appearance mm, yeah well no that's how it, that's, and i was that's and how that's how it's designed and i was right. looking to see if you were a christian because i wanted to you know be equally yoked Oh, okay. Okay. But what does that mean to you, by the way? Equally, I wanted I'm sorry, another. I'm... I wanted another believer, another okay. Christian, you know, girl to marry. Because I was always on those apps. Oh, I'll find my wife on here. But if I don't find my wife or a girl that I can date, you know, I can go on a date with her and you know have a cuddle buddy for the night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So wait, wait, wait. I'm just curious. Then what? What? Like, and I know I've always, as a kid, I grew up always hearing, "Hey, you should be equally yoked with somebody." Um, and never quite understanding what that means outside of what well, she should be a Christian and you should be a Christian. And so it makes a perfect Christian match. But it, it, it outside of that, I didn't really understand what that entailed or why that was even important. Well, what if she's not a Christian yet? Mm -hmm. What if she plans to be one? What if it's what if she's a fan of God? You know, what if she thinks he's really cool and like I think he's the guy like, OK, like, is that good enough? Does that cross her off as like we're equally yoked now? And and. It, it took me, honestly, it took this past year for me to realize that, you know, there are so many different things that God discusses, starting with love on how we should love each other. And so being equally yoked is bigger than just, well, she's a Christian. Correct. More importantly, she understands how God loves. Mm -hmm. So hopefully she'll, she'll love you the way he loves her. And so, you know, I, everything just started aligning up this year and then it was like, okay, yeah, I need somebody who's going to love the way I love and I'm loving the way God loved me. Mm -hmm. So I, I would prefer you to understand how God loves and not the way culture or society loves in order for us to really like, like now we've Correct. got a great foundation. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to butt heads, but you know what though? It's now it's a, it's a commitment instead of just a, and you know how to overcome when you butt heads and throw it in the white towel. Isn't that's not an option. Right. You know how to work through that. Right. And you know, okay, they might need a little bit to calm down or we might can, you know, we might need to talk it out real quick and then separate for a while and then come back or mm -hmm. so. But you didn't, you know how each other works. Right. Like you said, how God loves. Right. right. He loves you. He loves her. So you got to love each other, how God loves you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, equally yoked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's taken me over this last year and a half kind of to figure out what does that really mean? Because the old me was, 
she's a Christian, I'm a Christian. Okay, we're good. Right. I believe we went to the same church. We clearly got the same <laughs> explanation, and we were just left with that. Okay, but well, yeah. I'll figure it out from here. Yeah. Um, so dating apps were, that was, you know, a place where I could fill that void that I needed, and that was love because I didn't love myself, and I needed someone to do that for me. And that's where the codependency always came in. And then, um, so I was getting dumped because I was still in my struggle and my addiction, dealing with my depression, anxiety. Um, and then I was getting uh, fired and let go from jobs. Um, you know, I think maybe a year was the longest. And then just got laid off two months ago, but that was coming up on three years. And that was a job for me to kind of figure out who I was while kind of rehabilitating back into society and figuring out who who is Charles? How do I love myself after hitting that rock bottom that I needed? Because basically it was like, I'm, I'm a new person. Right. <laughs> 10 years of a roller coaster of addiction and trying to please everyone else and not knowing how to love myself and didn't know what I enjoyed doing. Right. So this last year and a half has been figuring out who I am um, and knowing that I'm loved and that I can love myself and I'm going to be okay by myself because I got God and I got my people who have been with me and the people like you who I meet mm-hmm. yeah. feeling real comfortable with. Right. You know, like something happened. I've mentioned earlier uh, Saturday and I felt comfortable enough just talking with you last night about yeah, it. Yeah. And the old me would have, Oh, I'm fine. But you know what though? We don't have, you, it's funny how you can almost sense or find people who you're comfortable. Now that, that doesn't mean that everybody is there and that doesn't mean it's for every conversation or every group, but when you find your core people, you you have that 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 space to say, if I don't talk about this, it's going to tear me up inside. I can't hold on to this like I used to hold mm-hmm. on to these things. And so, no, no, no. I and, and, and I, I as I tell everybody, I appreciate your vulnerability even when we're we're not sitting down at this table because it's hard to find somebody that not only can they be vulnerable with you, but you know when you're going through something or you're thinking through something, you can say, hey. Charles, man, look, you got you got some time right now, man. I would love. Hey, look. Or more importantly, when you do have some time, I would love it if we could we could talk for a moment, just so I can kind of, I'm working through something, and and sometimes I'm not looking for you to give me advice or answers, but I need to process this out loud with somebody. A Almost. lot of times, people just need you to listen. Yes. And that's something that I struggled with. I used to always want to talk and give advice. Here's how you can fix that. Mm. And uh, I've heard this recently, but a lot of times if you're in a relationship, the girl comes to you with the problem. She already knows the answer and the solution. She just wants you to listen. Mm-hmm. But as men, a lot of us just want to fix, fix, fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've learned, especially we over the hammer. Yeah, <laughs> just listen. And that's done me a lot of justice just in listening because I can learn a lot from listening. When you're talking, it's hard to learn. Right. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, no, and you're right. You're right. Because we are so quick to want to just like, okay, give me the punch. What do you need me to do? What do you need me to fix? We were born this way to fix things. So the sooner you get to the punchline or born poorly, I won't wait. I'm going to just start the. So do you want me to go beat that person up or do you want me to go and handle that for you? Or do you just want me to go and just I, I can I can I can take care of it. And like you said, a lot of times we just need to give them the space to allow them to process things out loud while we listen. 
and we sit with them through the things they're going through instead of trying to fix it because sometimes some things can't be fixed. You just have to sit back and weather the storm with that person and be there without trying to fix or jump out and, and repair what they're going through in their storm. So, yeah, no, that's that's good. And that's something I've had to learn, and um, it hadn't been easy. But as time goes on, it gets easier. Right. Because I've seen how much listening can do and how much is done for me. Right. Right. No, that's good. That's good. There are a lot of people who will listen to this. They may not listen to it till five years from now, but they will they will say, wow, if God can still use him after all those things happen, if God can still take his life and say, you know what, I'm not done with you then maybe he's not done with me yet either. Mm-hmm. And so it that's why it's so important for our story to be told because a lot of times people think that, well, yeah, but God's never going to forgive me for the things I've been through, the, the the places I've been, the things I've done. It I, I'm past his grace and mercy. And it's like, yeah, no, understand, he is pursuing you in a way that, it's almost like that girl who you can you I mean you can do so much wrong and she's still there to ride with you. She's still there coming after you when you when you when you're in when jail, she's the one that's coming to bail you out. Putting she's money on one, your books. Right, right, right. She's that one that you're like, no matter what, she has never left me. And that's how I and I hate to describe God that way, but God is far greater than that woman. He's looking for an intimate relationship with you. And, 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 and he continues to pursue you even when you don't want anything to do with him. And he has a plan for you. It's just a matter of you saying, okay, you know what? I'm ready to die to self. And, and we mm-hmm. talked about like, you know, how you used to go by um, Chad and now you go by Charles. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you, you know, I'll let you explain yeah. that real quick. Uh, Full name, Charles Lanhite the third um, and grew up going by Chad. Uh, my dad goes by land our middle name. And then my grandfather went by Charles and a lot of his uh, friends called him Charlie. And I was like, people know me as Chad. I've lost a lot of friends because of the lifestyle I've been living. I want people to see and when they hear my name, they don't associate it with Chad, the past, mm. you know, kind of like turning a new leaf. Right. So I want to go by Charles. So that's the long short of it, basically. Okay. Okay. Um, I can do and, it. Yeah. Well, look, I thank you for sitting down with me, man. I appreciate your vulnerability. I'm sure my community appreciates your vulnerability because it was truly a blessing. Um, I would also like to thank the listeners who enjoyed uh, this conversation um, in hopes that it it truly blessed them in a manner of speaking. I want to definitely give you the floor to have any closing remarks or anything you may want to to discuss or, or, or leave the listeners with or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I would like just to read something just for the listeners to who maybe are struggling with addiction or mental health or um, I don't know, whatever you're struggling with. Um, I wrote a story and I don't I don't know if I've You might have read it, but uh, I wrote it February 26th of 2021, Um, and this was two months prior to me ending up on life support from an overdose. So it's titled Phone Calls, and it's from the perspective of my mother um, or her phone and just the last phone call that she received. Ring, ring, hello. 
Hey, it's me again. Is he okay? We need you to come identify the body. Why? What happened? No, no, no. I've been fearing this call. He didn't even make it to 30 years old. Dialing, and then my phone number. Ring, ring. Hey, it's Charles. Sorry, can't come to the phone right now. Leave a message at the beep, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thanks, and have a great day. Hi, it's your mom. Just got a call to come identify your body and can't believe this day I feared has actually come. I pray this is a dream and I wake up from this nightmare. Why are you gone? What happened? What could I have done? I can't handle this pain and didn't know you had all this pain and suffering. Why couldn't you talk to me? Where did I go wrong? I can't hold and touch you. No more hugs or kisses. Don't have to dread the phone call I just got. No mother should have to go through this. So many calls I got from hospitals, cops, jails. And this call I hope I can recover from. But you're my firstborn, oldest leader, and now you're gone. I don't get to have tears of joy when you find the girl to marry and walk down the aisle. Be there to hold your firstborn. Why couldn't I outlive you? What could I have done differently? Why did I have to get this call I've been dreading? This shouldn't happen to a mother. Just know you're loved and we're the best son a mom could ask for. Rest in peace and I'll see you in heaven. Just know you weren't a burden and it was a joy to be your mother. Beep and the phone clicks. Mm. So I thought I was invincible and I even predicted the outcome. Wow. Well, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with us. I appreciate you leaving us with that. That That's truly something for people to really let sit home with them. That is That is something that that may kind of like lead people to really think about like maybe the life they're living. It may resonate mm-hmm. with people who, who believe that is their future, but don't understand what God has in store for them. And sometimes it's a matter of just saying, you know, um, I believe that this is where I'm headed, but you know what though, God, what is your plan? What do you have in store for me? Because I can't begin to understand or know what I'm doing at this point. I'm just, I am winging life, but mm-hmm. um, I appreciate you sharing that with with us all. Um, once again, I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate yeah. you coming to sit down with me. I once again, I thank all of our listeners for um, coming to uh, just sit down and hear these stories, these conversations. Hope you were blessed by this conversation. Um, feel free to leave us any comments, you know, thumbs up. They don't give you an opportunity to put a thumbs down, but I'm sure this was a blessing. Um, can't forget about my team, you know, uh, my son in the background who's holding down the cameras for us. Shout out to him. Yes, sir. <laughs> and um, looking forward to our next set that sit down and, uh, with you all. So, uh, hey, be blessed. Thank you so much. Hey, we appreciate you listening today and hope that if you enjoyed the conversation and stories, you will subscribe and listen to past and future content. Feel free to comment as we would love to read your comments and pray over all of our listeners. Also, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at God's Glory and Menstrual Stories. We understand as men how the thought of even facing your own story and the pain and hurt that come with that is a challenging task. But we don't want you to feel like you are all alone because you are not. God has not forgotten you or left your side and he loves you no matter what you have done. Your healing is important to him and we want you to have these free resources that already exist if you're considering giving up or need someone to talk to.
The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 1-800-273-8255. If you need support but are not in crisis, consider reaching out to a warm line if you need to talk to someone. Speaking to someone on these calls is typically free and confidential and run by people who understand what it's like to struggle with mental health. Find a local number by going to warmline.org.